we hear this often like oh if this person died tomorrow would you have cared that they said that would you have wanted to make peace with them before they left but when someone close to you that means so much to you that is so dear to your heart leaves unexpectedly out of the blue without notice without time to prepare yourself that lands in a whole new way welcome to another episode of let her lead podcast with me sigrid tassius creatress of the hair method embodiment master coach trauma-informed facilitator medicine woman and author and you have found the podcast for women ready to leave love and lead from a space of deep embodiment liberated expression pleasure authenticity abundance and true power each episode is filled with insights tools practices and stories that can support you to upgrade your life relationships and legacy if you are listening to this episode and something really resonates or lands for you please make sure to share it on your socials tag me so that i can connect with you i can see it and i can reshare it on my account as well now let's get to today's episode Today's episode is in honor of my father's life and my father's death. And I share with you the 10 biggest lessons that I learned and continue to learn from him. And I find that these lessons beyond my father and beyond myself are such valuable, deep lessons that really have the capacity to inspire and guide all of us to live fuller lives, relate with a lot more love, kindness, compassion, and forgiveness, and lead in a much more powerful way. So let's dive in. So there's definitely a lot that I learned from my father and received through our relationship. And I wanted to make this episode as, firstly, as an honor of him and honoring his life and everything that he was and everything that I am because of him. And then also I thought so many of these lessons that I learned have really dictated my life and impacted my life so greatly. So why not share them and and allow them to really inspire and be sacred reminders for other people as well. So this is 10 lessons that I learned from my father. So a little bit of context. If you haven't listened to previous episodes or seen this on social media, my father passed away unexpectedly two months ago on the 10th of February. And I was coming right after Moondance, which is something that I mentioned in another episode. And it was like the fourth day after Moondance when I found out. And so last minute trip, had to travel to Barcelona, arrived an hour before the funeral started. And it was definitely a really, really sad experience that I am most definitely still being with and will probably be with for the rest of my life. Now, there are some lessons that I have been able to think about, things that were really characteristic and special about the way he showed up and how he was 
that definitely impacted, touched me, and that then have touched the lives of people that I have supported and worked with and held space for. One thing that came up for me when we were at the funeral was really seeing how many people were there to celebrate his life and how many people spoke about him in a sense of someone that had really transformed their lives, someone that had really touched them, someone that had really inspired them and been a permission slip for them. So it really got me thinking about leadership and legacy in a whole new way. And death is such a great teacher and it really puts us into like close, super proximate contact with what really matters and what doesn't. And so through this experience, I was able to really reflect upon my father's leadership and the way in which I've been able to step into my leadership because, in part, of course, a lot of it is inherited to me and it's been part of my life and the influence of other people in my life, but in part because of how he was and because of how he carried himself. So this episode is for that. And my first lesson the first lesson that came through that i wanted to share with all of you is that everything is better when we breathe and this sounds simple however i want to tell you a story throughout my whole childhood my father would say to me whenever i got home and i was a really excitable kid and i had so much energy and so i would get home and be like dad and this happened and this happened and then, then this happened and then this other thing happened and sometimes i would be worried and sometimes i would be so excited that i couldn't quite ground the energy and sometimes i could there was a lot of energy in me and my father would look at me and go secret breathe and this is something that triggered me for years for years I was like oh it just means that I'm too much and he thought I was too much and he thought I wasn't enough as I was and so many misinterpretations so many misunderstandings happened because of this now fast forward to some years and this must have been like seven years ago or six years ago something like that yeah about seven years ago six or seven and I went to Maui in Hawaii and I was traveling solo. I met a guy that offered to take me to this oceanside amazing place that I wanted to go to. He's a friend of a friend. And so, you know, we're just creating a friendship. He offers to go there. And I say, yes, there's a hurricane coming to the island. But it was on the other side of the island. So my lack of experience and expertise around these things, around hurricanes and and how they move the ties of Maui and the ocean in there which is very different to the ocean where I was living at in Byron Bay Australia um or at the time I might have been living in Sydney I can't remember but either way so I go to the ocean we go for a swim and in the area that we were the hurricane wasn't presence it wasn't obvious that there was a storm coming or anything like that it was even sunny but the hurricane was approaching the island from the other side so the ocean was already moved by this energy i didn't know this so this guy gets in gets in the ocean takes his clothes off and runs to the ocean and i take my clothes off and run after him not after him but behind him 
and I run to the water. Love the ocean. I love swimming in the waves and dancing in the waves. So I just go in with the innocence in the moment, thinking I'm just going to go play with the ocean, play in the ocean. What happened actually was that the tide took us, both of us separately, in separate directions. And I got caught in a set of huge waves that I could not get out of. So I felt as though I was in the middle of a washing machine, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And I wasn't able to breathe very often. I could only every now and again get out for a little bit of air. And then I would have to keep that air in for a long time while I was just rolling and rolling and rolling inside the waves. And I tried to get out of it and I tried to swim back. There was no way, basically. This is the closest I've ever been to dying. I was really close to drowning in that day. And there was a moment where I felt like I was almost in between this world and just losing consciousness completely. And I heard the voice of my father in my head going, Sigrid, breathe. And in that moment, it kind of, it hit me. I was like, true, okay. So this is like those times where I had so much energy and I was so nervous and so excited and I didn't take full enough breaths. So everything was a lot harder. So remember, okay, next time I can go out for a little bit of air, I'm going to breathe slowly and I'm going to keep the air in and I'm going to make a lot less effort so that I can really keep this in me for as long as I need. So slow breaths versus, <gasps> which is what I was doing, right? So just hearing that, just hearing the voice of my father, like literally going, sacred, just memory, breathe. So I took a slow, deep breath when I could next. And long story short, this guy ended up being able to swim towards me, catching me and helping me. Well, the ocean separated us again. And then finally, he was able to support me in getting back out of the water. So he saved my life. And so did my father. Not intentionally, not purposely, but that reminder really saved my life. Throughout my life scenes, of course, I've trained in trauma work and um, somatic work and embodiment work. And so much of that teaches us to center and to be in our breath and to really ground. However, I know a lot of somatic and embodiment facilitators that are not necessarily fully in their bodies and in their breaths. And I see how there's there's definitely been an advantage in my life and in how I approach things and how grounded I can be even when the storm comes because of this. So lesson number one, not only changed my life, but actually saved my life. And that is that everything is better when we breathe. So just a reminder for your day today and always whenever challenge approaches whenever discomfort comes your way whenever the unknown is facing you 
there's an opportunity for you to find calmness in the storm and all it takes is for you to breathe. Everything else can be done and dealt with after. But first and foremost, most importantly, breathe. Lesson number two that really transformed my life and continues to gift me and offer me so much is that the small details make the biggest difference. My father was one of these people that would go the extra mile to put a little bit, the tiniest bit of spice or the tiniest bit of this, the tiniest bit of that, because the smallest amount of an ingredient could completely transform a dish. He often say that the smallest amount of light could completely transform a photograph. I learned from him that the smallest ray of sun could transform a garden. And a small joke could relieve or lessen a big load. So what I learned through this and continue to be inspired by is the fact that oftentimes all it takes is for us to be willing to focus on the small details. We're constantly focused on something. So we can focus on the small details. And it can make such a big difference to really give ourselves the space to look for those. And I've been able to really see this in my life throughout the years, how it actually takes the same amount of effort and time to go the extra mile when we're grounded in intention. It is easy when we're grounded in intention to go the extra mile. And oftentimes the most beautiful creations, the, more, the most impactful projects, the most touching art comes through those that are willing to pay attention to the small details and go the extra mile. And it's easy to think that going the extra mile takes so much more effort or so much more, but it actually doesn't. The small details are small. They're not big things to work on. This is little things. So I have found that for myself in my life, I've learned to really pay attention to the little details. Not only so that I can go the extra mile and make every container I create, every project I lead, as impeccable and powerful as I possibly can, but also so that I can enjoy life more because I'm paying attention to those little details where the magic really resides. And knowing this and remembering this has been such a life-changing thing for me. It's built a lot of who I am and how I am and how I lead and how I hold spaces. So. I want to share this with you as well as a reminder that the small details tend to take small effort. It's not that you need to effort so much more to pay attention to the small details. And yet the small details can make such a big difference. When you have this grounded intentionality to go the extra mile, everything can go from being just another thing to being marvelous, to being magnificent, to being so special, to being so impactful. Number three is that there is magic 
everywhere. My father had this gift of making so many people, I don't want to say everyone because of course nobody can please everyone, but making so many people feel so seen and so celebrated. And this is because he could always find a word or a dish or a custom or a place in everybody's culture where everybody came from that he was fascinated by, that he found worth being fascinated by. So even in his businesses, he had people from all cultures, all walks of life, all spiritual and religious views, all sexual orientations. He had, everyone was welcome, but not just was welcome and respected and honored. He was fascinated by something about each of these people's cultures and each of these people's lives. He found something worth being fascinated by and let that move him. So people felt so seen and celebrated in his presence because of that. Because not only they felt included or like they belonged, but they felt proud of who they were and where they came from and what they carried with them, their stories, their traditions, their gifts, because he would allow himself to really find the magic in those things. So what I see this has taught me and continues to inspire me into is definitely a deep respect for all cultures and all people, no exceptions, regardless of where they come from, how they live their lives, what they identify as, just deep respect, first and foremost. But then also an availability for magic, an openness to being surprised, being touched by the magic of life. And that has allowed me to experience so much more juice and beauty in my life. It has allowed me to really, really enjoy my life where I'm not just achieving things and going to beautiful places and doing amazing things. I'm actually taking life in because I can see the magic in those things. My father would send me songs and be like, listen to minute two, second 27 what they did there with that extra instrument that they brought in is just genius. Like he had this passion for the little details, for the magic in the mundane. And it really helped me and trained me in a way without me knowing really to look for that. For the moment in the song where the extra instrument touches one note and just makes everything more special. For the look in a child's eyes when they're fully in their joy and it's so special for the tone in someone's voice when they're sharing something that just makes it quite magical and irreplaceable just really looking for those moments and being able to really enjoy that enjoy the sunshine enjoy the colors of nature, enjoy the sounds of the wind when they're touching the leaves of a tree, enjoy sitting down with a book and a warm drink, like really, really allowing those moments to move me versus just seeing them as yet another moment that I'm taking, I'm taking off my to-do list or 
I'm making a story on Instagram about really allowing life to move me and to get to me. And this is something that I feel all of us really get to allow and to be intentional about. It makes such a huge difference. Number four is that life is art. Everything about my father and around him was art. Not just his art pieces. He used to be a professional artist while I was a kid. And he did sculptures and paintings and photography and exhibitions of all sorts. And not only his art was art or his art workshop was art, but his kitchen and his dishes and his wardrobe and his playlists, everything was art. And he, even though he was an incredibly practical man, he managed to allow art to be expressed in every moment or every little thing that he created. So his businesses had so much art to it. His house has so much art to it. The way he dressed was so artistic and really out there, in my opinion. Um, which is why also, by the way, I'm wearing this um, T-shirt with all of these mushrooms. And then I'll share in a moment, but he absolutely adored mushrooms. So this is in honor of him. And if you can't see my T-shirt, then go and follow me on YouTube so you can see the video. But there is so much that he turned into art simply because his context was one that said, life is art. So what I learned through this, and hear me, for years, I thought of myself as not artistic because I didn't paint and I didn't draw. My siblings drew when we were little, they would draw amazing things and they took classes and whatever. And I always told myself I couldn't draw. So I told myself I wasn't artistic. And I thought for so long that I just didn't have it in me, that the art gene just wasn't in me. Later on, I realized that I could paint in abstract ways when I didn't care about how it looked. And later on, I started to tap into more of my gifts and be able to receive songs and write songs and till the point where I published um, or released my own music album last year. And so I realized that art is everything and we can make anything artistic when that's our context. The way we dress, the way we walk, the way we speak, the way we write our captions for social media, um, the type of content we create, the way we choose to organize our adventures and our holidays or our dates, the way we, we spend our free time, the way we decorate our homes, it all can be art. It all can be art when we really are looking for that. And when we are looking for it, we can find that art is meeting us back in so many ways. And my personal experience is that my life is so much better because of this, because of allowing art, whether it is through the different expressions that I lean into in my photo shoots or whether it is through podcasts, whether it is through the music album I released last year, whether it is through going and taking random classes and doing random things, whether it is through drawing or coloring sometimes just because there's a, 
an availability that we can all choose to open ourselves to for art, to move our lives, to to really be around us. And life is art. So why wouldn't we? So many of us are so connected to art and we just don't know it because we think, well, if I don't know how to make a painting, if I don't know how to draw something, if I don't know how to take amazing pictures, or if I don't know how to do contemporary dance, if I don't know how to, then I'm not artistic. Well, really, art is always around us. This is what I learned. Art is who we are, is always with us and all around us. And all we need to do is to say yes and allow it to move us. And the way we decorate places, the way we decorate our ourselves, our bodies, the way we do anything can be artistic. And I find I have so much more play and so much more fun and so much more inspiration because of this. So I pass this down to you as an invitation for you to also see whether you've told yourself a story that you're not artistic and whether you've closed yourself down to art and inspiration and creativity that can be expressed in so many ways through movement, through visuals, through sounds, through flavors like cooking dishes. There's so many ways in which your art and your creativity can be expressed and it can expand your life and enrich every moment so much if you let it. Lesson number five is one gets to be who one is. When I was a child, this would trigger me so much about my father. And now, only just recently, I've started to really be able to receive the gifts of this. It's that my father welcomed all of himself into any place, meaning he was super happy to express his pleasure and and liking something and being amused by something like if he really liked a song or he was really enjoying a dish or he really liked someone's jokes whatever it is like he was so open about sharing that and at the same time he was also really open about sharing his frustration and his disagreement and his dislike about things there was no part of him that tried to make himself smaller or silence his voice to be liked or to be approved of or to he was all of himself all of the time so if he was frustrated he would experience and express his frustration not in an aggressive or projective way but he was just he was frustrated and he allowed frustration to move through him if he didn't like something he would be sure to let you know if he disagreed with something never had an issue expressing that and in the same way he would really go the extra mile to let someone know when their song or their dish or the way they express something or the way they what they were wearing he really loved that so he just welcomed all of himself into the space he had no issue taking as much space as he wanted taking his time with everything and really allowing himself to be himself and for a long time, this would trigger me because we would go places and I'd be like, oh, please, can you just not ask for that? Or can you just not share that? Or can you just not? And I would judge it as a, as a child, I would judge it. And as I've grown older, there's been an opening for me to realize how liberating that actually is to really welcome all of ourselves in and also to really trust that other people can also be with the bigness of us, that they can hold us. And that if they can't, they can always just walk away. 
that they're free to not hold it for us, that we don't have to do the work for everyone. We don't have to make ourselves easy enough and comfortable enough and mm, simple enough for everybody to be able to hold us and understand us and have us around and feel safe around us and feel comfortable around us. Like that actually takes so much energy. And so this to me continues to be a reminder. I feel so inspired by this, especially right now. I'm really seeing this as one of the biggest superpowers when people are extra and really allowing themselves to just take up so much space and be so loud and be so expressed and so authentic. I look at that and I go, wow, yes, 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 yes. Whether people like it or not, doesn't matter. Whether people feel comfortable around it or not, whether people want it or not, it doesn't matter. Of course, if we're not being disrespectful or, or inconsiderate to others. But for as long as we're being civil and, and treating others with general kindness and respect, if people want to get triggered by our bigness, then so be it. There's something about this welcoming all of yourself in. Welcoming all of yourself into a relationship, welcoming all of yourself into a space, welcoming all of yourself into the industry, welcoming all of yourself, wherever it is that you go, saying yes to all of you. There's something so powerful about that. When you're not longer trying to be something else, to limit or dilute some aspects of yourself so that you can fit in, be liked, be approved of, you just rather welcome all of you. There's a freedom, an expansion, a release space that is created through that. That to me is so incredibly inspiring and something that I allow to continue to guide me and teach me so that I too can take more of my authentic space everywhere I go and so that I can welcome myself in more fully in every single dynamic relationship scenario opportunity that I cross paths with. And you can too. Lesson number six is we get to do things for the sake of doing things. Not everything needs to bring an outcome. Not everything needs to benefit our career or our bank account or bring us more status. My father, even though he had several businesses and a lot of responsibilities and was quite busy, he always seemed to find time for random things, like very random things. He started to take private Japanese lessons for years. He took private Japanese lessons and enrolled my mother into taking them with him only because he liked how Japanese sounded and he loved sushi. No other reason. He didn't know if he was going to go to Japan. He would have loved to, but he didn't know when. He didn't have a date to go and visit. He didn't have any work-related or business-related reason to have to learn Japanese. He didn't have a goal to learn to speak fluent by this time. Or There was nothing else than just an availability to what he enjoyed. To me, that sounded so random when I found out why are you guys out of all of the things that you can dedicate your time and your money to why would you choose to study Japanese when there's no quote-unquote goal or 
strategy behind it. And it was just because. He found time to go to pottery classes and poetry classes just because he loved going on mushroom adventures. And I'm not talking about the adventures that nowadays everybody talks about and I may enjoy myself as well. But also, the and I say also because he actually liked that too. But also, he liked to go on hikes and pick mushrooms. He had books where he would know all the different types of mushrooms that he could find in the area and he would literally drag us all along. I, I liked it while I was a kid, but definitely felt dragged to it while I was a teenager. And he would take us all to the mountain and we would go and pick mushrooms. These autumn weekends for no other reason than just picking mushrooms, than just being in nature, doing something out there and the joy of it. Again, this is why I'm wearing this mushroom field t-shirt in honor of this. This was one of his biggest things, um, picking mushrooms and then also traveling with mushrooms. He liked as well. So there was an availability to things for the sake of doing things. Listening to music for the sake of it. Painting paintings that he would never exhibit. Taking classes. The things that he would never really do anything with. Quote unquote anything. If we're looking at it from the perspective of achievement. And this has been a journey for me. Especially throughout the past few years. After going through my period of hustling and achieving, firstly in corporate and then as an entrepreneur and just really getting to that energy of hustle, hustle, hustle. When I finally was able to move out of that and come back to myself more fully, I started to play with this, to do things for the sake of doing things. Like roller skating classes and water dancing classes and sensual dance classes and latin dance classes and pottery classes and painting with my friends for no reason i would literally hang out and just paint paintings that nobody's gonna see that i'm not gonna be able to take with me because i'm traveling just for the sake of it and that has brought so much fulfillment to my life so many creative ideas, inspiring downloads have come through me doing this, detaching for a moment from the context of do or create so that you can get something. This transactional thing where we're constantly just wanting to get something from something. So if I'm not going to get approval or money or success or status or whatever, then I'm not going to do it. Doing things for to get joy, to get bliss, to get wonder, whatever it is, just for the sake of doing things. If it's not for the sake of doing things, it's for the sake of experiencing life more fully. Not just the things that give us a result that the world is going to celebrate, but also things that are just going to feed us, are going to be beautiful for us. I've got a quote that I've shared a few times on social media that says, Plant a garden so that you can smell your flowers, enjoy your flowers. Not so that your neighbor sees you have some. And this is really what this is about. 
plant your flowers for the sake of smelling your flowers, for the sake of looking at your flowers and going, how pretty are these flowers? We're so used to planting flowers just so that we can sell them. Planting flowers just so that our neighbor sees that we have flowers. Planting flowers so that we can make an Instagram story and let everybody know that we got flowers. But can we plant flowers just so that we can enjoy them? There is so much depth of pleasure and fulfillment, contentment that comes from this. Number seven is nothing is worth holding a grudge for. Now, with the exception of one person, my father did not hold a grudge to anyone. Even when he got hurt, even when he experienced a lot of frustration or anger, he somehow managed to just trust in the goodness of people again. And that definitely conditioned me to becoming a forgiving and compassionate person in my life. Now, I don't want to sit here and preach that I don't ever hold grudges and I forgive everybody. I'm definitely a forgiving and compassionate person and I'm also still a Scorpio. However, there is something about really coming back to what actually matters. And this is something that I'm being reminded of again through his death. It's like death really puts you in touch with what matters and what doesn't. And we hear this often, like, oh, if this person died tomorrow, would you have cared that they said that? Would you have wanted to make peace with them before they left? But when someone close to you, that means so much to you, that is so dear to your heart, leaves unexpectedly, out of the blue, without notice, without time to prepare yourself, that lands in a whole new way. It just puts everything into perspective. And it reminds you that actually people die every single moment. We don't actually know when anyone's going to die. So truly, this is not just a cheesy quote to frame and talk about. This is something to actually really consider. Oftentimes we hold grudges because that's easier than having the uncomfortable conversations. But have the uncomfortable conversations. Voice your needs. Voice your desires. Express your feelings. Clear whatever needs to be clear so that the grudges are not there. So that when they go or when you go, there are not regrets. We hear this often, and I know, I know that this may land to a degree, and it may not land fully until it happens to you, until someone that you love dearly just leaves unexpectedly. Zero preparation. But hopefully it doesn't take until then for you to really let this in and consider this fully. That the people that you love the people that you care about, the people that you surround yourself with are going to die. They're all going to die. You may die first, but we're all, that's the one thing we're sure of. We're all dying. So the when, we don't know. We actually have no idea. Someone can be absolutely healthy one day, absolutely thriving, 
cracking jokes and then be dead. And one of the biggest, biggest things for me that I've given thanks for so many times that I've cried tears of gratitude for since my father died was the fact that there were no grudges between us. The fact that even though it hurt so much because I not only lost a father, I lost one of my close friends. That's how it felt. He was one of my favorite humans on earth. And so I'm getting emotional, but one of the things that I've cried with gratitude so many times since his passing is the fact that we were clear that he knew how much I loved him and I knew how much he loved me, that I shared my appreciation for him so many times. I said the words, I am so grateful you're my father. I am so lucky you're my father. So many times to him. I received him. I did the necessary work and healing to be able to receive him and to feel received by him. I laughed with him. I shared vulnerably. I cried with him. I allowed him to fully see me. So when he left, there was the sadness and the grief of, I'm going to miss this person a lot. I like the idea that he's not going to see me getting married or that he's not going to meet my children breaks my heart in a million pieces. But I know that we're clear and I can't imagine doing this and going through this without this knowing. I can't imagine how much harder it would be if I would have left things unsaid, if I would have held into grudges and not really leaned into the discomfort because it was uncomfortable at times, hear me. This was years of healing. This was years of coaching and therapy and ceremonies and everything to get to a point where I could really voice to him everything I needed to hear and everything I needed to voice. And he was able to hear me. We did plumbing and ceremonies together. We, he went and coached with my coach. He went and saw a therapist that I recommended. We did the work together. And I share this with you because there are people in your life that you are holding grudges towards because you have thought perhaps it's easier, safer, or more comfortable to do that than to actually have the uncomfortable conversations, to actually lean into the discomfort and vulnerability, to really clear things out. You can choose to not have people in your life. This doesn't mean that you get to have zero boundaries and just let people walk all over you. You get to have boundaries in your life. And sometimes you get to decide that some people don't get to be in your life anymore. There's nothing wrong with that. However, you can do that with love. You can do that in a way that feels clear versus holding into grudges and resentment. Those things will get to you. Those things are heavy. So while it is your sovereign choice to carry these things with you or to choose not, 
my absolute recommendation is that you really see what relationships or dynamics are worth you really leaning into discomfort and being brave to be vulnerable so that when they go, whenever it is, you don't know when that is. There is nothing left unsaid and there are no regrets. You'll be able to survive otherwise, but you may as well just have it if you can. Have the freedom, have the beauty that that brings. Number eight is friends are family. When I went to the funeral and I started to introduce people to Brad, he would ask me, like, how are you related to this person? Like, oh, um, technically not. Like, oh, but you just said she's your cousin. Well, yeah, she is. And he was like, but how is she your cousin if you're not related? I'm like, oh, well, you see, her father was friends with my father. And then I was about four or five when they became friends. So then we became friends. And then I've always called her father uncle. And then I've always called her my cousin. And I'm closer with her than my actual blood cousin. So she's my cousin. Oh, okay. How are you related to your auntie? Um, she's just friends with my mom since decades. Oh, so she's not actually your auntie. No, she is. He'd be like, wait, but she's not your auntie if you're not actually related. And I'd be like, no, I'm closer to her than I am to my blood auntie. So yeah, she's my auntie. So there's so many scenarios like this, so many examples that I could give you. Friends of my father or my parents that have sent their children to Barcelona and those I would say kids but at the time they were already adults those people these humans ended up, ended up living at my parents house and definitely when they went to do their PhDs or their like specialties for their degrees when they went to do their practices for uni or went to trial jobs and whatever they just stayed there and my parents just hosted them just welcomed them to this degree friends are family and look i'm not gonna lie i am not that type of person that has a totally open door policy come whenever you want stay for as long as you want i'm an introvert i like my space i definitely don't like people showing up at my house unexpectedly all of the time at any point I like to have my space and I like to welcome friends when I choose to welcome friends and then also have my space. Now, what this has created, and it's something that I still get so inspired by, and I'm really letting this lesson marinate and drop in even deeper for me, is that when we open ourselves up to community, actually open ourselves up to community, we can receive so much support, be held so deeply and be so inspired and nourished by the people around us. It's not all of us, the majority of us didn't get families that were incredibly supportive and that we loved and felt inspired by every single human in the family. We don't always feel completely inspired and aligned with every single person in our family, but we can choose the people that we surround ourselves with. And 
in certain cultures, we've learned to live very individualistic lives where there's family and there's friends and there's partner, but there's me and me in my own place. And then everything else comes after. And what my father taught me through this is that really life is so much better when we do it in community. Life is so much better when we really allow ourselves to be in community, not a part of a community where we have some friends or we know some people and we can network and we can be connected and we can go to gatherings and that's it, but actual community, like actual friends, actual friends that will be like our family. Like right now I'm staying with my friends, Alexi and Preston, and I've been with the kids every single afternoon and I create, I get so much joy from being an auntie to these kids. And I really feel them as my nephews and my niece. They're not just my friends, kids, or like they feel like family. I spent Christmas with them. I've spent Easter with them. I call them for their birthdays. There's a deep sense of these people are my family. And I allow this in. And in the same way with my, some of my best friends around the world, I feel them as my sisters. I feel them like I want to raise their children with them. I want to, I'm, I want to be a part of their lives in such a deep way. And I allow them to be a part of my life in such a deep way, more than just the surface level friendship where, you know, I'm going to tell you how successful I am and I'm going to show the things that are impressive to you and then you'll do the same. It's okay to have friendships like that. And when we really open ourselves up to knowing that friends can be family, a whole new beautiful reality opens up for us. So on this note, if you feel like you don't have this type of friendships, my invitation would really be to find the containers, whether it's online group coaching programs, retreats, uh, trainings, whatever it is. Find the containers where you can connect with people that are like-minded, light-hearted, that have similar values, and really do the necessary work to feel safer each day, to allow people a little bit more in each day. It will make a huge difference in your life. Because the truth is that we can't do it all alone. And yes, we can outsource support. We can pay for someone to come and support us with cleaning the home or taking care of the kids or delegating tasks to people. And we can pay a therapist to listen to us. We can pay a coach to hold space for us. But there's something different about really having family, a deep felt sense of family. And so I see this really shaped me in the way I am now, where I have friends all over the world and I'm so close with certain people that are just like solid, solid, solid people in my life. And I enjoy whatever I go, I enjoy spending time with people and learning from their cultures and going to their family homes and all of those things and it's because of that. And this thing can enrich our lives in such depth. So I really, really encourage you to look into this and see how you can open yourself more, if you haven't yet, to deep community in your life. Lesson number nine is 
as simple as it sounds, you can only take with you what you've enjoyed. Yes to planning for the future. Yes to having long-term goals. Yes to all of that. And at the end of the day, you're only taking with you what you've enjoyed. So do not forget to enjoy your life. Do not forget. One thing that I feel really happy about is that I know that my father lived his life. So even though he died so young, he was only 62, he lived his life. He enjoyed. He traveled around the world. He had crazy adventures. He would actually read me my bedtime stories when I was a kid instead of books that he would read me would be stories of his travels and how he went to Morocco and then ended up having to run away from this thing in this little motorbike and then how he went to Nepal and had this amazing spiritual experience and now how he went to Brazil and tried ayahuasca and how he went to this other country and had a magic mushroom trip and how he, he would tell me all these stories of his life so fully lived and I absolutely adored hearing about his adventures and the things that he would share. And this is something that I feel really happy about, knowing that even though he died so young, he didn't die just saving for his retirement. He didn't die just waiting to spend the points in his credit card, the miles. He didn't die waiting for the trip of his life to happen. He didn't wait. He lived his life. And of course, there were times where he was just fully hustled and fully immersed in responsibilities and business and long-term vision and all of that. And he lived. So this is something that, again, I'm being reminded of by his life and by his death, that we don't know where we're going and we only take with us what we've enjoyed. Everything else, the properties, the cars, the jewelry, the everything, stays stays here so it's a reminder for me once again to yes of course hold my long-term visions and and understand that some things take time to build and to create and to get to embody and experience and attain and to also remember to enjoy every day as if it was my last and i have been more deeply in the practice of this really recognizing every day the things that I get to give thanks for, the things that I am so blessed to experience, to have, to enjoy, because that's all I'm taking with me. Everything else, even the legacy I create is awesome and will live through me in a way. But what I'm taking, if anything, is just what I've enjoyed. So I may as well just make sure that I am enjoying and so do you. And last but not least, I would have made this number nine and number nine, number 10, but this is how I did it. So we're just rolling with it. But number 10 is be a full stand for what you want. This is something that, again, would actually really trigger me about my father for years. During my teenage years, I would get so triggered by this. And I would think of it and get like all like shy and embarrassed and think, oh, people are going to think you're so complicated. But I learned from this so much. My father moved mountains to get what he wanted. 
not in a stubborn way, not in a rude way, not in an inconsiderate or selfish way, but in a way that was a full stand for what he desired. He just was. So he didn't necessarily take no for an answer from life. He didn't believe I cannot make this happen or I cannot have this. He just believed I haven't found the way yet. That perhaps was his creative, artistic, mm, creative brain. But he was always a stand for what he wanted. He didn't have an issue asking exactly for what he wanted to anyone. But also, he was focused on the solution and always open to what he didn't know yet that he didn't know including where the answer to his challenge or the solution to his problem or the gift to his something would come through. And this is something that I'm noticing only now through reflecting upon this, these lessons and the things that I received. I'm noticing that this is something I learned as well. To be a stand for my yes, to be a stand for what I desire, and I haven't always known fully how to do this, but I've always had a sense of that. I've always had a sense of really committing to what I desired, even when everything and everyone around me thought it was impossible or it wasn't correct or it wasn't, you know, society didn't accept or whatever stories. And this is something that I really think we all get to cultivate within ourselves. And I continue to lean into this, is how can we really be a full stand for what we want? We already have enough telling us and giving us and reflecting back at us and putting on our plate things that we do not want. So how can we be a full stand for what we do want and move mountains? And of course, there are times that we get to surrender and know that if it's not happening, it's not happening. But also, we can still be a stand. In surrender we can be a stand for what we want be completely okay with the timing of its arrival we can be okay with what we desire be a full stand for what we desire and at the same time hold a total trust and surrender for the timing of its arrival meaning this is what I want this is what I'm a stand for and when it comes when it arrives if it arrives I leave that up to the universe, God, life. But I am a stand for what I desire. And I will look for a way to receive, to experience what I desire. So many of us allow life to tell us, no, that's not possible. No, that's not realistic. No, that's not correct. No, that's not safe. No, that's not when let's find out, right? So this is something that I really encourage you and I encourage myself to continue to lean into. So how can you more fully be a stand for what you want and simultaneously trust the timing of its arrival, the way of its arrival, the form and shape of its arrival, but not knowing if it's possible, not knowing how it will happen, not knowing why or in what way it will happen. It's not reason to stop being a stand for it happening. So, 
I leave you with these lessons. They have not only changed my life and in some cases saved my life, but they've also shaped me into who I am and so much of how I carry myself, what I'm capable of, what I've believed in myself enough to do. It's because of this, because of these lessons. And yes, I'm sharing them in the context of my father because I wanted to honor his life and I wanted to honor his death in this way too, in many different ways, and this is one of them. And this memoir, if we want to call it like this, um, is just another way that I get to appreciate the amazing human that my father was and the amazing woman that I've been able to become in part because of him. My father never, not once, made me feel that there, was, there were things I couldn't do because of being a woman, that my siblings could do because of being born with penises. Not once in my life did I feel like there were things I was not capable of or allowed to do because of being a woman. When I decided to go backpacking to West Africa by myself at the age of 18, I told my father, and his answer was, I think you need a converter so that you can plug your chargers in. He was such a stand when he dropped me at the airport. And I can't remember if it was when he dropped me in, that I was going to Africa or when I was going to Indonesia and Singapore by myself. But he dropped me at the airport and he didn't have time to stay. So he dropped me at the door. And I remember looking at him and going, aren't you afraid that I'm going by myself to the other side of the world, to a quote-unquote dangerous country? And he said to me, if this was any other person, I would probably be. But you're the strongest woman I know. So go and get it. There was a way in which he held my power and reflected my power back to me while simultaneously being there if I needed to fall. That was so powerful and really, really allowed me to believe in my abilities. And at the same time, he mentioned many times that this was just how I was born. This is just how I was since I was a kid. So there's always a combination, of course, of things. It, we are a combination of what we carry as our natural essence and just what, what we have and are born with, what our soul's unique blueprint is, and our conditioning, our programming, the things that we receive through our ancestors, through our upbringing, through our culture, through our society. All of that impacts and shapes who we be and who we become. And these lessons I find beyond my father, beyond me, taking those characters away, because I'm just sharing this with you in the context of this, but really these are life lessons that are so powerful and so valuable, in my opinion. So if you take him away and take me away, really see what can land for you from this and what you can implement in your life out of everything you've been listening to, what really resonates or aligns with you that has the potential to transform the way in which you show up in your life, the way in which you carry yourself, the way in which you relate to others, and the way in which you lead. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it landed for you in a valuable way. If you want more of this content, be sure to subscribe so you get notified when new episodes are released. And since you're already here, if you want to leave us a rating and a review, that would be so deeply appreciated. You can also find me on Instagram at Sigritasius for more free transformational and inspirational content. And if you want to receive updates on all of the different things, offers, events, free resources that we have for you, then come and join my inner circle. Go to secretasios.com slash inner circle and subscribe over there. I will leave all of the links in the show notes for you and I will connect with you on the next episode. Lots of love. <laughs>